it was a mind game. It, it, it was obvious that we were being played. He, he really was using, uh, even in third or fourth grade, he was using psychology on us, but, but it worked every time. See, see, out on the playground, we would gather at recess and, uh, and, 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 and start to, to, to pick sides to play a kickball game. And once the sides were decided, there would always be a dispute on who got to kick first. Because whoever got to kick first, that, that was what that was the prize. You wanted to be the first one to kick. So so there would be a, a battle back and forth on who gets to be the uh, who gets to kick first. Sometimes uh, sometimes there would be people that say, "Well, you pick first, so then I get to kick first. But but we would argue back and forth, and and inevitably one of the guys, Randy, and Randy was my best friend growing up. All the way from first grade up through uh, through a senior in high school, Randy would make this comment. Randy would say something to this effect. He would say, "Go ahead and you guys kick first. And then, as he started to walk out to the field, as we headed in to kick first, he would follow up with this phrase: "You big babies." <laughs> now. You can call us selfish, or you could call us rude, or arrogant, or mean. You could call us just about anything, but don't call us a baby. See, see, our response would be like, "We're not, we're not babies." And once you bat first, once you kick first, Randy, and 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 I know Randy had to walk back in with his team to kick first, thinking, "I can't believe they fell for it again." Uh, see, see, babies are cute. Uh, during the service today, if one of these babies that we dedicated uh, begins to coo or to cry, I, I know I'm going to lose a whole section of the church because people are going to look at them and and smile and think, oh, isn't isn't that that cool? And that's fine. I I, I don't have a bit of problem with that. Everyone loves a baby, but if you aren't one, nobody likes being called one. So so in Hebrews chapter five. Kind of the end of chapter 5, bleeding into chapter 6, Hebrews, uh, the author of Hebrews asked this question. And it's really kind of a, kind of a unique question. He, he really asked this question, are you a baby? Are you a baby? So if you have your, your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. If you don't have one, there's one in the, pl- uh, the pew back or underneath the, the chairs in the back, and you can follow along or follow along on your, your devices. Hebrews chapter 5, we'll start with verse 11. And notice that the writer here is bold and in their face right off the, the bat. Look at verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you are, you no longer try to understand. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant, notice they're really what he's saying is, you guys are babies is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now now we move into chapter 6 for three verses. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ, the the milk, uh, uh, so to speak, and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, 
and of, of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on, of, uh, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Now, this morning, um, as I prepared this sermon, God just put a lot of stuff on my heart, which often happens, and you guys are somewhat aware that I don't usually go short. Um, and, and I got I got working on this sermon late in the week, got practicing, like, man, I... I don't want to preach a 50 minute sermon this Sunday. So, so Saturday, yesterday, I decided to, to split this into two sermons. So your, your bulletin, the, the note card in your bulletin, you're going to note that I'm only going to cover about half of that. So we'll cover the next half of it next week. So let me, let me point this out. We're going to just look at two things this Sunday and next Sunday. Here's the first one. You might be a baby. You might be a baby if, and, and really that's what he's saying here to the church. He's asking that question. Are, are you a baby? See, you should be moved on to something else, but you're still drinking spiritual milk. You might be a baby if you're still on the bottle. See, you might be spiritually a baby if you're still drinking spiritual milk. Verse 13 said, anyone who lives on milks being still an infant. Now, now let me point out something here. He's not making the point. He's not asserting that milk is a bad thing. When a baby is first born, a baby can't handle, uh, can't handle solid food. You're not going to give, you're not going to give a, a, a ribeye to a, a, a three month old baby. Uh, I guess they could mouth it and get some juices out of it, but, but you don't give solid food to a baby. We feed a baby milk and, and the milk is nourishing and it's healthy and it produces growth and it's the right thing. Uh, and, and so spiritually speaking, when we are born again, when we come to know Jesus, we need spiritual milk. And it is nourishing, and it is healthy, and it produces growth. Now, let me, let me illustrate it this way. Johnny and uh, Megan uh, uh, dedicated their children today. And, and, and Amelia, how, how, how many months old is Amelia? Amelia's two months old. So, so during, during the service, uh, and, and that'd be true of any of our other little babies here today, if, but during the service, if, if, uh, if, uh, Megan took Amelia and put her in her arms and put a bottle in her mouth. Uh, everyone would look at that and, and, and smile. Oh, how, how, how beautiful. How, how cool is that? In fact, I can imagine if Rita looks over and sees one, one of our moms feeding their, their, their baby, my, my wife will smile like she does when she watches Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> we started again last night and we watched them. Yeah, yeah. So if, if you don't have that, uh, you're missing a good thing. Uh, see, it's, it's beautiful, it's lovely, it's natural. But, but, but imagine this. During, now, now, he went downstairs, but if he was upstairs, what if during the service she picks up Ethan? E- Ethan's a second grader? Ethan's, she picks up Ethan and, and throws him up on her lap. Number one, that's going to be a difficult thing to do in the pew, but she throws him up on her lap. His legs flop over onto Johnny, and then she takes a bottle and plops that bottle in Ethan's mouth. I mean, everyone's going to be staring, and people are going to be like, oh, that's not right. Who's going to talk to her? You don't give a second grader a bottle. See, there's nothing beautiful or lovely or natural about that. But notice what the writer here is saying. If we've been a believer, now, now, now pick your, 
pick your answer here. If you've been a believer for five or six years or 10 or 20 years or 40 or 50 years and you're still drinking spiritual milk, then there's something wrong. See, he's making a challenge here to the Jewish Christians and, and also to us. He's, he, now, now, he's not saying that you're, you're not saved. He's not pointing out and saying, hey, if you're drinking milk, then you're not saved. Although we, we will see in a couple weeks, there's a little bit of a correlation and a connection there that we got to be careful about. He, he's not saying that you're not saved. He's just saying you're, you're, you're missing something. You're not growing to maturity like you should. See, you might be a baby if you're still on a, a bottle. And, and another way to say this, kind of coming in from, from the, the opposite direction. See, you might be a baby if, if you're not eating solid food. You might be a baby if you're not eating solid food. So what's he talking about here? Well, I, in, in part, we need to define terms. And you might be surprised. You might be surprised at what the writer describes as milk, spiritual milk. Uh, well, let's just look. If you have your Bibles, look there in, in uh, Hebrews 6, the first couple verses. And he basically tells us what that spiritual milk is. Because the church was struggling with, these Jewish Christians were struggling with just hanging on to this stuff. Now, it's not bad. Again, spiritual milk is great. It does nourish us when we need it as, as baby Christians. But, but if that's all we're getting, we're missing the point. But notice what, what he describes as milk. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ, the milk, and be taken forward to maturity, which is the natural thing. Not laying again the foundation. Now notice what he talks about here. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. Now repentance is a big deal. It it is important that we repent when we sin. That we know when we've messed up and that we ask God to forgive us. We're, We're called as believers to continually do that. In fact, we know every time we repent, God forgives us and cleanses us. Uh, that's a big deal, but, but he's saying that is milk. Notice what he says next, next, uh, 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 he says this, and of faith in God. Well, well, faith, faith's important, isn't it? Don't we have to have faith? In fact, later in the book in chapter 11, verse six, he, he will say, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we can't please God unless we believe that he exists and seek after him. Notice what he continues to say there. Uh, instructions instructions about cleansing rites. Some of your Bibles might say baptism there or baptisms. It's really, and he's tying back into their Jewish heritage there. It would be ceremonies that get you prepared to, to serve God. So so actually our, our communion today would, would kind of fall into that as a cleansing rite. The laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead. Wow, isn't that central? The resurrection of the dead. What what is our what is our biggest church day of the year? What is the most important Sunday of the year? It's it's Easter. You might say Christmas. That's pretty close, but but really it's Easter. And what do we celebrate Easter? The resurrection. The resurrection is big, but it's milk and eternal judgment. Would you agree with me? Would you agree with me that these things are important? But, but this list of repentance, faith, uh, rituals, the resurrection, 
are only the foundation. Uh, a year ago, a year ago, uh, July, uh, we we had a team that returned from Mexico, and uh, we stood up here. Some of the uh, or most of the team stood up here, and they gave some of their testimony. So, so this not last summer, but a summer ago. And and one of the guys, I don't remember if it was Kevin or uh, Craig or or Dallas or who it was, but one of one of the guys stood up here, and they told this story that that on the second day, on Tuesday of that week, they they. Uh, they went to the work site and, and looked out at the pad and the pad looked great. And in fact, I, I, I brought over, um, Lupe and Uriel, uh, a couple of the Mexican, uh, friends of ours that we hired. I, I dropped them over and I went out and looked at their pad to see if their pad was as good as our pad. And I think our pad was a lot better. Uh, just, just say, no, no, both pads were great, but I looked out and right in the middle of their pad, there was a rectangular discolored place there. It was perfectly rectangular rectangular and and it was a different color than the rest of the pad we, we found out later what had caused that the dad uh, of the family that night had laid a pallet out on the foundation and slept out on the foundation i think part in part because while wow, they're building us a house and i think he wanted to do it in part it was to make sure no one bothered the pad or or all the walls and stuff that had already been built so he laid out there to protect everything but but we show up and and he had been sleeping on the pad now now what if our team what if uh what if the skags and Kevin and Craig and and the the D West we had a D West group of teachers there that what what if they had all looked at that and and said he's sleeping on the foundation well that's good enough our work here is done we can go back to the church and just relax the rest of it. we don't need to build walls or or a roof or put a door on we don't need insulation and sheetrock he can sleep on the foundation. He slept on the foundation last night. We'll just give the church a, or give this family a nice foundation. We'll, we'll do the dedication service right now. We'll hand over the Bible and the keys to the door that's leaning against the fence, but, but we'll just dedicate this foundation to this family. Well, well, that, that wouldn't have been very smart, would it? Now, now you have to have the foundation. Jesus talked about that in the Gospels. He said, a wise man builds on rock and the foolish man builds on sand. I always remember that when we build our houses on sand. But, but the reality is we put our walls not on the sand. We put our walls on the concrete, on the solid foundation. See, we could build a house and skip the, the, the foundation part. We could skip the concrete. That would that'd make it cheaper. That would give us a whole day uh, that we didn't have to work on that. But, but, but if you built your house on the sand without the, the concrete foundation, now it would, it would hold up. I've been in some pallet houses in Mexico that were built on the sand. You walked in and the floor was sand, the walls were on the sand, but, but when the wind blew, the whole house would rock back and forth. It's not solid. So, so, so see the point. The foundation is, pivotal it's important so so faith and repentance and the resurrection and 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 ritualists even rituals in the church those are all valuable but they're all spiritual milk so then so then what is solid food what is solid food look back in Chapter 5, again, uh, 13 and 14. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with teaching about righteousness. 
But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Let, let, me, let me point you to two, two words there. Uh, we're not going to spend long on but just two words there to think about. That, that if, you're on, if you're on spiritual milk, you're, you're not concentrating. You don't know about righteousness. You're, 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 not, you're not following uh, the teaching of righteousness, and you're not training yourself to distinguish good from evil. We have several, several coaches uh, in, in the church, guys that coach now or have coached before. Johnny, Johnny's a coach. Derek, uh, David Johnson, Nick was a coach for years. Uh, so, so guys, what, what, what would it look like if you showed up, uh, uh, Dana, I forgot Dana. We do have volleyball too. So, wow, almost missed that one. Uh, but what, what would we do? What would you guys do if you showed up your first game and you hadn't practiced at all? <laughs> now, I know sometimes it looks like maybe you haven't practiced at all, right, Johnny? Like, we've been doing this for weeks and you still can't. Uh, but, but if you show up and you don't practice at all, that first game, you're not going to be on the same page. You might be able to do a couple things right, but, man, it's, it's going to look nasty if you don't practice. See, see, solid food, solid food is when the truth of the gospel changes your life. You, you put into practice, you seek after righteousness and you do it over and over and over again. Not, not just happy with the fact that, that I have faith. Not just happy that Jesus' resurrection covers me. Not just happy that, that I, I have eternal life someday. Those are great. That's important. That's foundations. But seeking something more. So you might be a baby if you're still on the bottle and you might be a baby if, if you're not yet moved to solid food. But notice there's a, a word of encouragement. Uh, look at chapter 6, verse 3. And God permitting, we will do so. Now, now, now basically what he's talking about is moving on to maturity. And he says, and God permitting, we will do so. See, see you don't have to remain one. You don't have to remain a, a baby you can move on to maturity now now obviously in this text he is contrasting uh spiritual milk with with solid food he's he's contrasting something that that the church was struggling with they weren't moving on to maturity they they should have gone on to be teachers and and moved on their faith and they were still kind of held up in in elementary things he's contrasting that with something so if you have your bibles go back with me to chapter five we're gonna go back a couple verses and we're gonna see the example of that uh, of what he's talking about chapter five sorry verse seven during the days of jesus life on earth he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. He offered up with fervent cries and tears. He offered up prayers. Now what... What is that talking about? It, it doesn't take a whole lot. When did Jesus offer a prayer that, that dealt with following God that was fervent and there was tears? And what, what do you remember Matthew chapter 26? Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 36, says this. 
Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him and began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. The, the promise of verse 13 is that, or of verse 3, is that we don't have to stay an infant. We can grow and become mature. That, that's good news, isn't it? Isn't it great news that we don't have to stay uh, on spiritual? Isn't, isn't that great? Would you agree with me that's great news that we don't have to stay immature and infants? Anyone? Is that good news? Someone, thank you. Appreciate that. Well, I've got some bad news. <laughs> we don't have to stay infants. We, we don't have to stay on the simple things of God. We can move on to maturity. We're going to look at two things, one today and one next week. But there is a risk. There is a risk for moving on to maturity. Now, now the babies that we had up here, uh, uh, Philip and Ethan would be the exception, but the babies we had up here are are probably too young to illustrate this point. But, but when they're a little bit older, let's say, let's say in another six months or eight months or a year, they'll be a perfect uh, ex- example of, of this. Uh, so, so what I want you to, to, to do is uh, after church, uh, go pick up a kid that's about 16 months old or two years old. As they come upstairs from downstairs from children's church and nursery, go grab a kid well, make sure you know who they are and that the parents, have, you have the parents' permission because I don't want to traumatize these kids. But if you'll pick up one of these kids and look at their knees and look at their elbows, and a lot of you probably can look at their heads, and you know what you're going to see? You're going to see, you're gonna see uh, scrapes and scars and bumps and bruises be, be, because because kids, when they are little, t- to become mature, they there's a risk. There's pain involved. That one of our sons, when he was little, had bruises on his head all the time. Now, Reed and I disagree. I think it was our youngest son, Caleb. She swears it was our middle son, Joel. I'm right, and she's wrong. Um, or maybe all of our kids did. I I, I don't know, but. Uh, but the reality is the the one that was the worst the the one single time that it was worst was when our oldest son Brian was about 16 or 18 months old we he was he was running down a path that that went downhill and it was loose rocks and he was running down the path and he got going too fast like I said he's only 16 or 18 months old he got running too fast and lost his balance and literally skidded on his face didn't think to put his arms out he 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 skid I, I mean it's just like a cartoon just on his face and I mean he looked horrible he had cuts and bruises and and, and uh, oh his face I mean, his face looked like we we walloped him. And now that was about 38 years ago when we went out into public. I mean, people looked at us. They'd look at him. They'd look at us, and we're like, "No, really, he fell down." Like, right and now, today, if it was today, we wouldn't take him out in public. I mean, people would call the cops. We'd be like, "Oh, we came in contact with COVID. We're quarantining for a month till those scabs are gone away." Gone away. I mean, but but here's here's the truth. At 18 months old, Brian was walking and running. 
not drinking a bottle and being held, he was maturing. But, but there was a risk. There, there were going to be times, and, and it probably wasn't a, a parent fell when we let him run down a rock path downhill. Okay, that was our fault, but that was my fault, okay. Because <laughs> she was holding Joel so he didn't bump his head. And uh, uh, you see, there's a risk to maturity. Do you, do you remember, we, we've been talking the last couple of weeks um, uh, of how Jesus came to earth and he shared our humanity. And what we talked about uh, with that, and, and hopefully you caught it, was that there was a risk. Jesus, while fully God, was also fully human, and there was a risk that he would have given in to sin. See, that's how he knows what it's like to be tempted, so he can give us encouragement, but, but there was a risk. There was also a risk that when he went to the cross, that he would have said, no, no, I can't do it. If you have your Bibles, keep uh, chapter 6 open and, and uh, flip back to chapter 12 in Hebrews. Chapter 12, let's look at the first three verses. We'll come back to this in a few weeks. But Hebrews chapter 12, first three verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now notice what he says next. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, excuse me, for the joy set before what's he talking about there? We'll talk about that here in a second. For the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of, uh, of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Sometimes we see that phrase for the joy set before him and, and we might mistakenly think, well, I guess the cross wasn't much of a big deal. Or, or we might take it the other way, like how in the world, how in the world could there be joy was the, the the victory the joy was the resurrection the joy was what he was going to offer us by by dealing with the cross and and going there and and uh, coming back to life but don't miss those other descriptive words that pointed out he endured the cross he scorned its shame he endured such opposition see there was a risk when he went to the garden and was praying god from from matthew 26 god not my will but your will be done. There was a risk that right in the middle of that prayer, Jesus would have said, now, hang on, Father. Let's stop and think about this for a second. Now, I'm having to go to the cross and endure that physical pain. I'm having to go to the cross and endure that emotional pain because we know that that everyone denied him that night. Uh, One of them even betrayed him. I have to go to the cross and, and then the crowd's, jeered at him and spit at him and threw rocks at him and chanted and called for his crucifixion. I'm going to have to go to the cross and endure that emotional pain. And I'm going to have to go to the cross and endure spiritual pain as well. Uh, We know from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 22, that, and I don't know how this worked, but Jesus on the cross or at the moment of his death literally felt our sin. He literally, he, he lived his whole life without sin, but but in that process, he took on our sin. Second Corinthians 5.22 says, For God made him who had no sin to be sin 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So in the garden said, hang on, God. I'm going to the cross for people like Tim. Father, don't you realize that that Tim is going to turn his back on us? Don't you realize that Tim is going to look me in the eye and say, just like Peter did, I never knew him. You're saying I've got to go to the cross for a, a low-life, backstabbing sinner like Tim Champ? You're saying I have to go to the cross for people like that? See, there was a risk. There was a And there's always a risk to maturity. If we want to move away from a surface-level relationship with Jesus and move on to maturity, there's going to be a risk that we will fall down. See, all these parents that held their babies that aren't yet walking, which I think all of them maybe weren't walking yet, except for Philip and Ethan, of course. But but, but at some point, at, at 8 months, at 10 months, at 12 months, at uh, with one of our grandkids at about, what, 14 months when he decided, hey, okay, I'll walk. But, but, but at some point, you're going to hold up your baby. Dad's going to hold him up. Mom's going to be sitting on the couch a couple steps away. You're going to hold that baby up, and you're going you're gonna to set him down, and Dad's going to let go. And then a couple things might happen. The baby might immediately go boom on the floor. Maybe he'll lift up one foot and fall over backwards and, and, and boom. They're, they might fall down. Well, no, they, they will fall down. They might skin their knee. They might cry. But it's only through the risk of failure that they'll ever, ever learn to walk. We, we can be mature in Christ. That's what verse 3 was telling us. We can be mature in Christ, but but it comes at the risk of failure. So, so you might decide, well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna strive for I'm gonna strive for maturity, and so so be, you began to do some discipline type things. You began to do some things that will will cause you to grow deeper in your walk with Lord. You might you might say, well, I'm gonna start reading my Bible more, or I'm gonna I'm gonna start praying more. I'm gonna I'm going to become more committed to the church or I'm going to start serving more. I'm going to start giving more. I'm going to step out on faith in some areas and, and you might fail. Now, now, let me just rephrase that from, from my years of experience. Let me, let me put it this way. You will fail. You, you, you'll start reading your Bible. Maybe you'll be good for a, a month or two months or six months and, and then you'll get busy and you'll, you'll realize it's been a week since you picked up your Bible. Or, or maybe you'll start praying 10 minutes a day. And every day for a week you prayed 10 minutes. And then, then the next day it was 8. And then a couple of days later it was only 5. And then you realize 4 or 5 days later, well, you know, I, I haven't prayed since last Thursday. Maybe you decide to trust God and give uh, a, a, a biblical tithe. And then an unexpected, unexpected bill comes along. And, and you've got to make a choice somewhere. Schedule just gets crazy. See, you will fail. But what do you do with your baby? Those of you that have kids that are walking now. Set them up and and dad let go and they fell down. D- did you pick up that baby? Doggone it, I thought they were going to walk. I thought this one would surely walk. And Well, I guess... I guess we'll have to have another one. Maybe that one will walk. This one, we're going to have to carry the rest of our life. Kindergarten, I'm going to have to carry this child in. No. 
What you you picked them up and you, you tried again and they fell down and you picked them up and tried again and they fell down. Maybe they took a step and then they fell down. They took a step and you thought they're doing great and they crashed and hit their head on the coffee table. You went to the ER, but you picked them up when you got home and you tried again. See, see, we're we're gonna fall down, but we'll never grow to look like Jesus until we take a risk like Jesus. See, that's what that's what chapter five was basically telling us that Jesus took a a risk. Hebrews 12, 3, I I read that whole section, but let me look at that last verse again. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, that you'll stick with it. Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, therefore my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that you're there, there's a risk. Probably the, the greatest biblical example is when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water and he stepped out of the boat to walk. It was one of the greatest victories in Peter's life, followed by one of his greatest failures when he sunk like a rock. But, but Peter kept trying. Peter kept getting up and walking again. And did he fail? Yes. But eventually Peter matured. See, you might be a baby if you might be a baby if you're still on spiritual bottle, if you're not on solid food yet. But you don't have to stay there. But but just know there's a risk. There'll be a risk as you transition to maturity. Barbara Glantz is a uh, motivational speaker. We'll finish here. Is a motivational speaker, and she tells this story of, uh, of of a young man that had Down syndrome, and his name was Johnny. She had spoken to a group of of, of about a thousand employees for this large grocery store chain, and Johnny was in the crowd that day. And one one of the things that she challenged them. Uh, with was to to make a difference every day try to figure out one way something you can do that will make a difference in someone's life about a month after she had spoken to that large grocery store chain she got a call from the manager of one of the stores and said you're not going to believe what's been happening at our store she said johnny who's one of our baggers uh was at your presentation and he went home and began to talk to his dad about what he could do to make a difference. And, and so he began to, uh, to, to find little encouraging sayings and he would print those up on a computer and, and with his dad's help. And then he would cut them up into small pieces of paper. And, and, and as he bagged gro- groceries, he would put one of those little encouraging statements in each bag. And, and as he handed the bag to the, uh, the, the customer, he would say, now I put something encouraging there. You be sure to read it. And, and, and the manager said, you won't believe what happened here. Here, a couple of weeks ago, I was walking around the store, and I, I looked over, and the, the line at the checker where Johnny was bagging was back into the store. It was long. The other lines were short, but his was long. And so I got on the, the PA and said, there's, you know, there's open registers, and, and gave the name of those registers. And, but he said no one moved. And so he, he went down and, and said to the people, well, there's, there's registers over here. You won't have to wait. He said, the people said, oh, we'll wait. We'll wait because we want to see what, what statement that Johnny puts in our bag.
See, if we move from spiritual milk to spiritual maturity, we're going to have to start somewhere. Now, I don't know where that is for you. Maybe that is. I'm going to take out my Bible and I'm going to read the book of Hebrews. A chapter a day or two chapters a day. Two chapters a day you can have it done in a week. Or I'm going to, I'm going to dedicate myself to a time of prayer. Or I'm going, to, I'm going to commit myself to serving in a certain way. Or I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure that I, like Barnabas, become an encourager. And I'm going to seek one person every day because of Jesus to encourage. I, I, I don't know what it is, but start small. Make a change. Grow to maturity. Or are you a baby? Well, you don't have to be. You can move on to maturity. Would you bow with me? Father, we pray this morning that your spirit will speak to us. The the foundations of our faith are so important. Our faith, repentance, glorying in the resurrection, those are so important. But they're just spiritual milk. Father, help us transition to maturity. Help us practice our faith and move on to righteousness in you. Lord, I pray today that you will open the eyes of our people, that you'll open my eyes to how you want me to grow up in you. We pray this all in Jesus' name.